This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Vehicle Hero. If you've been paying attention, you may have noticed a subtle shift in car dealer ads on radio, TV, and the internet. For decades, car dealers have all screamed about having the lowest prices on cars. But nowadays, car ads are mostly telling you to hurry in for top dollar on your trade. We'll buy your car whether you buy one of ours or not. And that nobody pays more for used cars than Big Bob's Ford store. Nobody. At Vehicle Hero, we rescue your sale by making things as easy as one, two, three. You give us details about your car. We search our network, finding local dealers who want your model, work through their bids, eliminating everything but the best offer. And you walk away happy without any of the inconveniences of used car sales. Selling your used car doesn't have to be full of drama. Vehicle Hero gets you paid with no settling, no switcheroos, and no stress. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash hero. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash hero. And thank you. It's a customer on Facebook. Um, I try to get engaged with them and tell them that I work at a dealership. We're interested in buying the car. So I want to be transparent with them. And uh, most will say, no, you're not going to give us enough. And I'll say, well, you know, you never know. Let's give us a shot. What are you looking for? So um, today's car was a, a VW GTI. I think it was a 2013. The kid wanted 13 grand for it. Uh, he modified it, so it caused us some problems. But uh, we ended up buying it for 9500 he thought it was a good deal. He took the deal. And we're probably going to send it to auction and make two grand off it. That was Mike Columbus from West Hills Autoplex talking about a recent acquisition he made of a 2013 VW GTI he found listed on Facebook Marketplace. Now, the reason he was sharing that story was not about the money that his dealership made on the deal, but the fact that the customer was happy with the price they offered. The story came up as part of a larger discussion about today's high used car prices and the number of dealers competing for used cars being sold by individual private party sellers. We brought this up at the end of our previous episode and promised to bring you the full story here in this episode. So sit back and sit tight as we dive into today's unique used car market that continues to sizzle and perplex. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's 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 my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi, and it's great to be here with you. If buying a car right now seems difficult and expensive, well, you aren't alone. Franchise car dealerships have only a fraction of the vehicles that they typically have to work with, and the problem isn't only with new cars. It's with used vehicles as well, and it's helping send prices to record levels. The average new price in the first quarter of this year, according to J.D. Power, was $37,200, up 8.4% from the same period just a year ago. Now, the primary interruption is the global clip shortage, but that's not the only supply issues automakers are facing. In his latest piece, Successful Car Shopping with Limited Vehicle Supply, Mike Columbus points out the unexpected Texas deep freeze, 
which led to interruptions in the petrochemical industry that supplies seat foam to automotive interior suppliers. And the blockage of the Suez Canal in March stopped components destined for European automakers that serve the U.S. market. There's even a shortage of shipping containers in Asia that affects automotive suppliers' ability to get parts for car factories. And unfortunately, these issues don't seem to be going away anytime soon. Now, as for used cars, wholesale prices for vehicles are up over 26% at auction from this time last year, and higher wholesale prices are pointing to bigger increases on the way. So the only thing that could realistically cool things down would be a decrease in demand for vehicles, but that doesn't appear to be happening either, as automakers continue to put extermination dates on the combustion engine vehicle and embrace the new world of electric vehicles. So we did spend the first portion of that discussion on used car prices, but the second part of the discussion gets into why it seems like everybody from your local car dealer to all the national players, Carvana, Cars.com, CarMax, they all want to buy your vehicle. In the opening clip, you heard Mike Columbus talking about a vehicle purchase he had made from a customer at his dealership near Seattle. Here's the continuation of that conversation with Benjamin Dykstra from Vehicle Hero talking about expectations people have about selling their car in general and in particular to a local car dealer. And full disclosure, Vehicle Hero is also a sponsor of this podcast. You got a 13 GTI? Yeah. And you can't retail it because it's got mods on it? Yeah, they won't do it here at our dealership. Maybe uh, maybe you and I are going to have that lunch sooner rather than later, Mike. I might drive that car home back to Michigan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just looking at Volkswagens today. Yeah, so that's the deal, right? And and so you don't tell that story. We're not like telling that to demonstrate like how easy it is to make money off people per se, right? But I think everybody's clear that in the world, people make money, right? And certain people have invested in the infrastructure to be able to do certain things. And so it costs you a lot of money to work to work with a wholesale auction, all right? No, that's why nobody can just walk in, you know, off the off the street and buy cars wholesale. There's there's all kinds of systems and processes and investments that you all have made in order to be able to do that. And so as long as everybody's fair and honest and you know the tra- and and okay with it. What's the big deal, right? Mm-hmm. He was happy. You're happy. The world moves on. Right. So here's the irony, right? Here's the irony. So he wanted 13, right? So that's that's the that's the number that he figured would be the, the most he would ever take. And I've discovered that most people, when they sell a vehicle privately, they like to leave themselves a little cushion, right? So he puts 13, but he'll figure he'll take 11, Right. Right. And then maybe you guys point out something in the process of, you know, validating your offer, the appraisal that he had forgotten about or that he was unaware of or something that affects the value of the car negatively. Right. And so now we're a little bit lower than that. And he likely would have ended up at ninety five hundred dollars anyway. Right. Selling it privately. That's probably right about where he would have ended up. Right. Because he spent weeks now at this point answering questions about all the mods and meeting people that didn't show up, right? And taking time off work to go, you know, do this thing. And then it doesn't work out, right? And then people can't get approved or they don't have all the money or they want to do a partial trade. I mean, there's endless things, right? And finally he gets the guy that shows up and is like, he's got hundred dollar bills. And he goes, I'll give you 95 of these things. And he's like, shoot, forget it. I'm done with this deal. Right. right? And the difference is by selling it to someone like you who's set up 
to just make this easy and fast, he could save himself all that pain and, and effort. Now, from there, we got into speculating on what might be keeping demand for vehicles up. And Ben had made a good point about the auto industry being like a bellwether for the state of the economy. I mean, the car the car industry has always been kind of a bellwether, right, of inflation and, and just overall economic health. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I think when you I mean, the, the automotive industry reacts immediately to things. I mean, you think about it, you know. Who were the first ones to get back into business after the lockdowns were ending? It was the car guys. I oh, mean, yeah. we figured out how to how to make it happen faster than anybody else. And so yeah. I think that that the, the the auto industry can shift really quickly on things. And when you start seeing prices go up for whatever reason, I mean, supply and demand aside, I think yeah, inflation's coming. It's only a matter of time before everything starts getting a little more expensive. <laughs> Let's get into this week's news item. SpaceX, that is Elon Musk's space company, has announced uh, their Doge 1 mission to the moon. It's the first ever commercial lunar payload paid entirely by Dogecoin. Well, what is Dogecoin? It is a cryptocurrency that some would say is, as I said on Saturday Night Live, just a hustle. Could be a joke. It's also a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool things that the Dogecoin cryptocurrency I think potentially brings to the table and uh, it's a good time to get in on that. But this is pretty cool. And I think you see Musk doing this to put some legitimacy, some validity, if you will, behind the coin itself. So the, uh, the company will team, so G company meaning Geometric Energy Corp, will team with SpaceX to send a 40 kilogram satellite to the moon on a Falcon 9 rocket in the first quarter of 2022. That's a little less than a year from now. SpaceX's vice president of commercial sales says this mission will demonstrate the application of cryptocurrency beyond Earth's orbit and set the foundation for interplanetary commerce. And as Musk says, to the moon. Now, Ford has begun customer deliveries of the all-electric Mustang Mach-E, which we've reported on a couple of times here. And they'll be uh, they're rolling those out in Norway, which is usually one of the first European markets for new EV models. And it's been some time since the first demo units arrived late 2020. But overall, it's a low number of cars, under 100 new registrations year to date. A high number of Mach-E were already unloaded, and it's expected that several thousand cars will be delivered to the customers before the summer holidays. Ford also plans to reveal its all-electric F-150 pickup called Lightning. Uh, the vehicle will be built starting next spring by UAW workers at the all-new Ford Rouge Electric Vehicle Center in Dearborn. And then finally, GM has revealed a four-part plan meant to handle all the steps of charging an electric vehicle, including finding a public charger and paying for the power as the automaker seeks ways to attract customers to the 30 EVs that it plans to launch by 2025. Now, we've brought this up a few times, the big push of automakers with EVs. GM is planning to have 30 EVs out over the next, what, four years? So pretty wild. The so-called Ultium Charge 360 plan, it's named after the underlying electric vehicle platform and batteries of its upcoming EVs. It aims to handle the access, payment, and customer service components of charging electric vehicle at home and on the road. So using your GM vehicle uh, brand mobile app, 
As a, as a driver, you'll be able to see real-time information, including location and whether a charger is being used from nearly 60,000 charging plugs throughout the U.S. and Canada. The first GM and EVgo sites are already uh, in place in Washington, California, and Florida. And GM said each site is capable of delivering up to 350 kilowatts and averages four charges per site. So GM and EVgo are on track to have about 500 fast charging stations uh, live by the end of this year. By the end of this year. Pretty cool. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. The conversations you hear in this podcast are recorded before a live audience on our weekly webcast, the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show. If you'd like to participate and tune in, text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585, and we'll send you a link to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can tune in to the live shows each week. In fact, we'll even send you the show each week by texting in. And I definitely recommend it. The live show and the podcast are entirely different experiences. So if you enjoy this podcast, then come on out and join us once in a while on the live show. And with that, I bid you adieu. Take care, everyone. 